the comic book pit. Okay. Welcome to the new episode of the Comic Book Pit Podcast. I'm Dan, and with me in spirit, not physically, we've got Jared. Hello. And on the other side of town, we've got Kate and Link. Hi. Hey. And uh, Comic Book Pit is your comic book and comic culture discussion podcast. Uh Generally, if it's got something to do with comics, we will probably talk about it. Uh, just a little bit of quick housekeeping. I wanted to let everyone know about our new uh, coffee account. Our new, uh, if you wanted to support the Comic Book Pit podcast or buy us a cup of coffee, you can go to uh, coffee.com backslash comic book pit and you know, donate to the show, buy us a cup of coffee. You can help us out. But if you can't do that, it's totally understandable. There's other ways you can help us. You can, uh, you know, you can sh- always share our sh- uh, episodes on social media. You can write reviews, you know, word of mouth. Uh, you can like or comment on our posts. Um, so anything helps. So we're appreciative of any and all help as far as promoting the show. So what's everyone been up to? What's how's uh, how's isolation treating everybody? Um, fine, yeah, fine, <laughs> fine. <laughs> Everyone's just like, okay, yeah, this is it. This is yeah, this three. Is life. <laughs> what is it? What, I've kind of lost track. Are we three weeks in? I don't know what in? day it is. It's a month. For me, it's a month. About a month. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, it's really not that different, except uh, I can't go to baseball games. But I'm still working. I work from here. Uh, my mm-hmm. wife works from here. Uh, once yep. a week, we go and check in on her, on my mother-in-law. And uh, that's about it. We get takeout once a week to support our local economy, if you will. Yep, same here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, other than that, I mean, in, in the before times, it was go to work, come <laughs> home and do all those things. Right. Uh, so the only thing missing now is is buying new comics every Wednesday and going to baseball games. Yeah, I was I was actually Jared. I was actually thinking about you the other day because, um, you know, out of out of all of us, obviously you you are the the biggest uh, sports fan, specifically baseball. I would think is the biggest for you. And um, I'm not as big into baseball as I used to be, but I do feel like I mean it's springtime. And there's just something inherently wrong with it being springtime and no baseball. Yeah, it sucks because the games I was scheduled to go to, the weather has been perfect for this mm-hmm. time of year. And so for a good weather, like in April, it is rare. Especially I mean, it happens, in, in but, this town. Yeah, in this in here in in, in Pittsburgh, it's yeah. it's it's not it's not normal. And uh I was supposed to go yesterday. 
Mm. Ago, I think uh, earlier this week, a couple weeks ago, uh, yeah, I should have no. been seeing like four games already. Um, and the weather has been phenomenal for each of mm-hmm. those days. Like the days, it's weird. Like the days still like roll around, and it'd be like rainy in the morning, and that same anxiety sets in. Like, oh no, I was supposed to go to the game, and it's raining. What am I going to do? And I was like, I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't matter anymore. I don't have to worry about this. But yet, I still find myself that same anxiety creeps up in the back of my mind. Yep. Like, do I do I go? Because you know, last year it was like, do I go down? Do I pay to park and then sit there and it rains out and then just drive home? And which happened a lot. Uh, but this year the weather's been spectacular. So go figure. Now who knows? Would the weather have been good if the world was still turning the same way, or is this a byproduct? You know? Yeah. Oh it, yeah. It's very baseballish too. Like in baseball, you can't say, like, oh well, if that didn't happen, <laughs> this would happen. So every little ripple effect just. It, it just cascades out in in the sport of baseball, much like in the uh, the timeline we are experiencing now. So. <laughs> so, so what you're essentially saying is we're living in a giant Marvel what if? Yes. <laughs> yeah, we've we've jumped the tracks on uh on the parallel timelines. Yeah. We can vibrate back to the one where this was taken <laughs> serious in like December, and we can. But who knows what it'd be like? Who knows? Maybe all the all the hustle and bustle of uh, the modern age would have spewed fossil fuels into the air and caused weather. That's true. Yeah. We'll never know. Turning this into a Joe Rogan podcast really fast. <laughs> 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 well, something, yeah. And, and something you mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, you mentioned the, uh, the, obviously the thing that's uh, affecting us the most as, you know, comics readers and podcasters, the, uh, the absence of, of weekly books, but we are, we're persevering. I mean, we're all finding, I mean, clearly there's no shortage of anything to read, especially in this day and age when there are so many options and so many ways to get comics. Yes. Um, so we've all got a pretty good list of things to, uh, to talk about, uh, some, some, some old things, some new things. Um, so, you know, we can, we can get rolling on that. Who, um, anyone want to, uh, want to go first? Uh, I can go first if that's all right. Yeah, absolutely. Great. So, um, in keeping with the spirit of not reading new things very often, I went ahead and read the second volume of the boom Buffy, the vampire slayer book. Uh, it's called once bitten and, um, I don't know for Buffy fans, just like the first volume, which I do believe I talked about on the show as well, way back in the day. Uh, it has all of the same characters, but with a new spin on them and it's a welcome spin. It's there's obviously nods to what happens in the old canon, but it's fresh and new, but still the Buffy that you love. What's the plot of the, the is, 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 do I see Angel on the cover of that book? Is he in this? So he does show up, although he wears a mask, but there is some very attractive uh, art <laughs> of him throughout the book, both in the beginning and then in the back in the cover variants. Uh, but the plot of this is actually, um, has to do with Halloween, which Buffy fans will know that, Halloween never really works out well (laughs) for Buffy. Um, But without giving away too much, this 
uh, is a very Willow and Xander focused volume. And uh, for any Buffy fans uh, that are very familiar with the old series, there are some really great variant covers in the back that pay homage to several old episodes. Oh, neat. And so I have a question. Um, who is, who's that? Who is this? This is uh, Robin, a, the a new, new the, character. Uh, so no, um, for some Buffy fans, uh, you may remember when Buffy befriended the adult son of a slayer who was killed by Spike. Yes. Oh, they de-aged him. They de-aged him. Okay. So he's, I, I thought that's who it might have been, yeah. but I wasn't. I didn't oh. realize that they made him younger. Was yeah. he like? Was he like the principal or something? Yes. Yeah. That was like later on when when Buffy ended up going to the school to be like a guidance counselor or something. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so like, worst guidance counselor ever. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So they de-aged him, and then yeah, and then they uh, they hook up. Yes. I remember reading that somewhere. Yeah. yeah. He has like a little fling with Buffy. In okay. This. Yeah, so that's kind of cool. Like, I do, I appreciate that, yeah, like you said, it's it's different, or new twist, but even that's, like, a bigger twist. Like, that's, like, yeah. we totally reworked this character concept. Oh, yeah. No, they didn't, I, I'm trying to remember, I, I feel like in that part of the show, like, the like the actual series, uh, I do remember that character, and they, but the, they didn't hook up in the show, I feel like there, there might've been a little bit of sexual tension, but they didn't actually get together. Right. Correct. There was definitely sexual tension, but, um, he was heavily judgmental of Buffy's penchant for vampires. Mm-hmm. You know, she doesn't just slay them. She slays well, them. Well, she was, with she likes the bad around that time, right? Or that is around the time of the fallout from Spike. They were gotcha. no longer together. Okay. But, but still, yeah, it was yeah. like, you, yeah, you were you were in a relationship with the guy that killed my mom. So that kind yes. of makes it hard to. Yeah. 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 That makes it awkward. <laughs> uh, but Buffy doesn't go in for, for like dorks, like, like Riley. She wants the bad boys. <laughs> Riley. There are so many problems I with he that. Exists. Yeah. There are so many problems. <laughs> Probably with that for a good reason. Yeah. He was pretty, he was awful. Yeah. He was fine, but. Yeah. Yeah. He was fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know that, well, that the, the whole college, I, I feel like the, the, the college seasons weren't that great to begin with. Yeah. That's and although they did give us the best episode ever hush. Was that college? Yeah, that's Buffy's oh, I thought that was early on. college. It's the one with no speaking. The gentlemen are coming. Oh, the uh, the the musical episode. No, no. no. Oh, it was the creepy bald guys that didn't talk. And they had like weird teeth and stuff, and the entire episode was silent. Oh, what? Oh, 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 right, right. But wait, See, I thought that was earlier. But nope. No, that was a college episode. But wait, what was the musical episode? That was later on after Buffy died and came back. Oh, okay. That was called Once, Once More with Feeling. Yep. Oh, okay. I For some reason, I got those two confused. Okay. Gotcha. And Xander almost became a princess of the underworld. 
Because <laughs> he just wanted there to be fun and dancing. <laughs> Clearly. You know, I um, getting back to to uh, so the so you read the volume two. I think I read most of the first volume, but I didn't finish it. So that kind of makes me want to like all this Buffy talk now wants me to like <laughs> want to go back and pick up and I feel like I basically have to like start over reading it because it's I started reading the them in issues when they first came out, but that mm-hmm. was a significant amount of time ago. So I will have to uh, go back and find those issues and reread them. Yeah, it's definitely enjoyable. Yeah, and there's uh, I know that the next Buffy trade, or I don't, I don't know how it works exactly, but there, there's an Angel series, and then they did a crossover, but I don't know if it's like a crossover crossover, or it's just like an event occurs in the Buffy universe, and each book deals mm. with it separately. Like, I don't know how it, how they package those in trade paperback, because they both have separate trades for it, which mm-hmm. was interesting. Okay. So, but so yeah, in case you were wondering, the Angel book does exist within the same continuity as the New Boom book. Yeah, I remember when they solicited the Angel. It seemed like they didn't really wait too long after they had started putting out the new Buffy book that they were already like, oh, and here's Angel. Yeah, it was. Yeah, they they <laughs> they really didn't waste any time. Yeah, which I mean, I haven't read the Angel books yet. I don't think. Kate has yet, but Mm-mm. it makes me question, like, you know, how, how much of a role they play or, or if Angel's just off doing his own shit mm-hmm. as a private detective. I is mean, that what he is? Or is he still just like a broody random guy that shows up? I mean, they don't officially meet in this issue. Oh, okay. He's just around. Okay. Yeah. He's literally hanging so out like with season a mask one, on. Season one Angel. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, who, who wants to go next? Uh, I, I was going to throw it to one of you guys. I can go actually, because um, I've got something I, that are, I've got a couple of books that are, that are sort of, that are actually new material, even though, you know, not new in stores, but new digitally. Uh, DC comics is still putting out uh, uh, comics under their, I don't know if they would consider it a an imprint or whatever they call it, but it's called DC Digital First, and they are just uh, like ninety nine cent issues. And they had a, a bunch that came out last week. There was a Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Flash, uh, a Swamp Thing. Oh no, no, I'm sorry, Swamp wow. Thing. Swamp Thing comes out this week actually, and there was a what's the 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 title or the property that's like. I think it's called like DC super girls or super it's like for, for, mm. Oh, for like young kids, but it's yeah, it, yeah, it focuses yeah. on like the, and like they have young like the female characters. Like all the, yeah. 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 I know what but you're talking about. Anyways, it was one of those, but so I, I, I looked at each one and the, the only two that really uh, stood out to me were the uh, Superman. The Superman one is called Superman man of tomorrow. And the Batman one is Batman Gotham Knights. Um, neither one are those are not really terribly original titles. But, yeah. but the um, but the uh, talent involved is surprising. So the Superman one was written by Robert Venditti and drawn by Paul Pelletier, who's a you know, he's kind of a like a veteran uh, 
penciler. He's been on, uh, he's done work for the big two for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And the Batman one was written by, there's actually, there's two stories in here. Uh, they're both, they're kind of like short stories and I'll, um, let's see the, the first one is, uh, Brad Meltzer. Yeah. Brad Meltzer and Jim Lee and Scott Williams. And then the second story is, uh, a, uh, Kate Kane Batwoman story written by Larry, uh, Larry Hama. And it's, it's interesting. It's actually, it's before Kate becomes Batwoman. Oh, okay. Oh, nice. She's a, she's a cadet that gets, um, it's a little convoluted. And it, uh, I mean, it, in a way, it, it doesn't make a, lo- a heck of a lot of sense, even for a comic book. Um, but I guess, <laughs> I guess working backwards, I'll, I'll start with the, the Batman, uh, book starting with, uh, the, um, Kate Kane, Batwoman one. She's in this story. She's still a cadet and she gets woken up in the middle of the night to go on this, uh, secret mission to Afghanistan, basically. Okay. And, uh, it's, it's, it's just a, it's kind of a one and done story. And it was, um, it's only, let's see, it's eight pages long. And, it's actually for, for an eight page story. It's actually really well done. The art is solid. The art was someone I did not recognize. Uh, his name is Mirko Kolok. Um, and they, um, you know, she's assisting this, um, this special forces group. And the reason uh, that she was picked was because of her, um, I guess she can like she she knows the customs and can speak the language and they again they they need her for reasons you know it's like they just it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense but strangely the story is actually pretty good and the art is pretty good so I kind of just let it go like sure all these uh, these hard nosed uh, veteran uh, desert soldiers are going to they need the assistance of a military cadet. <laughs> so <laughs> it just yags. Yeah. Because reasons. Exactly. Reasons. Um, the Batman story at first, it was a little confusing and I, I didn't know what was going on and it really, it, you really don't understand what's going on until literally the, the last page of this story. Um, but like in a good twisty way. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the, it's a, let's see, uh, a seven, seven page story where Batman is assisting a bunch of, uh, Gotham city cops who are pinned down by, uh, machine gun fire from these, uh, uh, crooks and they're all dressed like clowns. So, I mean, I, I you assume the Joker's involved, but the Joker never actually shows up and that's not really, the important part of the story it's Batman uh, wading headfirst into battle, uh, you know, taking a bullet here and dragging a, uh, 
you know, the, helping a wounded cop get out of the harm's way. And the whole, the whole time there's this, this odd um, narration and the narration seems to be in line with, with the art, you know, with what's, what's going on at each page, but in a, in a, in a certain way, it doesn't really seem to match up and you're still wondering what's going on. And you, you get to the very last page and what you find out is this story is a, is a true story. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll just, uh, I'll just read this, uh, this, uh, text here on the last page. It says, uh, to best honor this real life story, nearly all of the above dialogue has been adapted from president Barack Obama's November 16th, 2010 speech as he presented the Medal of Honor to Specialist Salvatore A. Gunta, United States Army, for his bravery and valor in Afghanistan. And it, he is the first living soldier to receive this honor since the Vietnam War. So, so what this was was this: the narration was President Obama recounting this story of what this soldier did for his, for his teammates, uh, you know, going in harm's way, um, you know, fighting against insurgents, pulling, you know, pulling wounded out, getting wounded himself. And it was overlaid on top of this Batman story. Interesting. So it was, it was Batman in the role of the soldier who was being given this, this award and again, like I said, the, you don't find out until the end that it's that the narration, you know, it, it doesn't really match up perfectly because it's again, it's president Obama talking about the, the valor of this soldier, but then, um, you know, they, they, they told the story as, as a Batman story. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was really, it was kind of fascinating. And it was, I mean, for 99 cents, it was a pretty, I mean, you know, and you get some, you get some really solid Jim Lee art, which was nice. Um, the, the Superman story was, it, it was a Superman story. It was, I, I would really just call it, it wasn't, it wasn't bad, but it was, it, it's one of those stories that you could like give to someone and be like, here, this is a quintessential Superman story. It's got. Superman, Clark, Lois, Jimmy, Perry. Uh, there's a there's a Lex Luthor. He shows up for half a second. Uh, there's a, you know there's Superman being like Superman as far as like inspiring the people of Metropolis with this great speech, and then it, it, it's just. It's just a quintessential Superman story. And again, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't really um, doing anything different or special or didn't really wow you. you What's know. the plot? Um, the plot is there's a uh, Metropolis suffers a blackout and you find out that it's Parasite who okay. is who is uh, siphoning all the power at the Metropolis power plant. Okay. Um, so there's this giant fight between him and Superman in the middle. And then, you know, he, then uh, he uh, parasite leaves in the middle of the fight to you know, find more power. In the meantime, Metropolis is 
you know, everyone's going ape shit because they have no power. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely a, a parallel. And, you know, at one point, Superman kind of, he goes to this big crowd of citizens and he starts saying, you know, he's like hovering over them and he says, um, you know, the power is going to be off for a while. People are making repairs. But in the meantime, you know, share your food, you know, help find doctors, help find medicine, check on your neighbors, uh, spread the word, look after someone, you know, he's, he's just telling everyone to, you know, don't be a dick, like just be a good person. And the, the parallels with, with that, just that part of the story and what's, what's going on today was very, now I don't know when this was made. So I don't know if this was a coincidence or, or what. Were there but, any red hats protesting that they need a haircut? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, unfortunately not. Uh, no, there are no. <laughs> n- yeah, no, no, no MAGA hats anywhere to be seen. Um, but then uh, eventually, you know, Superman uh, finds Parasite siphoning power from the Metropolis General Hospital where Lex Luthor donated these super generators and uh, Superman flies parasite to the moon where they have this knockdown drag out fight. And um, since there's no power up there, parasite basically withers to, Mm. uh, you know, 98 pound weakling and uh, Superman being Superman is like, I promise I'll find a way to help you. And everything kind of wraps up in a nice shiny bow. Except, you know, except, of course, we're in the last page where Lex Luthor's like, um, you know, he's talking, he's showing the front page where it says, you know, where it's basically showing Superman being like the awesome hero and helping Parasite. And he's like, why isn't there any mention of, of my contribution to the equipment, to the, to the, to the hospital mm-hmm. and, and the, the engineers to get the power plant running. And, you know, so again, very like, hmm. Yes. You know, yes, yes. Yeah. Like, where's my attention? Yes. So, and at the very end, you know, Lex says, Metropolis will know who's truly the most powerful man in this city. I'm like, all right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So again, I'm like, I'm, I'm trying not to read too much into this. Like, I don't know when this <laughs> it's was hard not to sometimes. It really is. It really is. Um, but on the, on the flip side, that is a very, like, those are Lex's motives. Yeah. Like yeah, it's not like it hates Superman off brand either. So it, I think exactly. life imitated the art <laughs> more than the other yeah, way around. Was, you're right. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but again, so the, the, they were. It was nice to have something new to read, and they were again ninety nine cents each. They were they were decent reads. They were, you know, I I I, I did flip. Or look at the preview pages. The uh, the Wonder Woman uh, book was written by Jimmy Palmiotti and Ama- uh, Amanda Connor. Oh, uh, she did the cover, but did not do the interior art. The and I don't recall the Aquaman one. And then they I, were, sorry, I was going to say they were doing a, a Wonder Woman solo book too, which is interesting. Jeff Palmiotti and Amanda Connor. So I'm not sure if that's related to that or if it's a fresh thing. Yeah, they they all seem like they're one shots. I don't know if they're con- like all these wrap up at the end of the 
issue. So I don't know if these di- digital firsts are going to keep going with, you know, if they're just going to be uh, one shot stories all the time. Um, and, and each, each issue of these, they were all like all the page lengths were, they varied. So hmm. yeah, it was kind of, kind of, kind of weird. Um, I will probably check out, I think this week the, there's going to be a swamp thing one. So I will probably check that out. Who's, do you know who's doing swamp thing? Um, uh, swamp thing. Oh yeah. Th- that's why I wanted to, I wanted to check that uh, Mark Russell. Oh wow. Okay. Is writing swamp, the swamp thing. Actually it says digital release date, April 26, which is today. Available Probably. now, wherever. Yeah. Digital comic books are sold. Um, so it's uh, written by Mark Russell, art by Marco Santucci, who I don't, I don't know him. Oh, that's what uh, the book we were trying to think of. It's just called DC Superhero Girls. Mm. Okay. And let's see, the Flash one is uh, oh, written by Gail Simone, art by Clayton Henry. Yes, they did the 100-page Walmart comics. Mm. It had very confusing continuity because it tried to blend like some elements from the TV show into existing Flash continuity. That, I made this complaint before, I believe, on the show. No, I think then there right. were other Flash stories, and then it was like contradictory continuity. Yeah, because I, I think that's what confused me because I, I looked at the preview pages of this Flash one because I almost got it, but the it looks like it's the TV continuity because there's a, there's, it looks it. Yeah. There's a, there's an African American Iris. Yeah. Iris is like a Candace Patton model, but that's, that's where the similarities end. And then, so it just like transposes that over like OG flash continuity. So, so here's, I was going to say, because, um, Gail Simone, to my knowledge, has not watched, most, if not any of the CW shows, because she always jokes about having not seen any of it. Hmm. Um, so I wonder if that's just like an art thing. The artist is just like, yeah, all right, well, well, I'll just use the TV likenesses as opposed to like them trying to, I guess, merge. Yeah, it's just the look. Or like a mandate. There's thing. no sim- and it could be, and because there's no like similarities, like character wise. It, it is merely aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, and the, um, if anyone's interested, the Aquaman one is written by Steve Orlando with art by Daniel Sampier. Yeah. They, they do have really good. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. There's like, there's like some A-list talent on here. Um, the Wonder Woman one, the, the art is by Anaki Moran, um, Anaki Miranda. If anyone is, familiar with her work. It looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, does their Aquaman look like a white Jason Momoa? <laughs> it, it basically, basically does. He looks like he's blonde haired, bearded, but it's, it's like Tasty. long, long hair, long blonde hair, beard, but he's wearing his traditional costume. Yeah. And he is huge. Yeah. I saw, I, I, Maybe that's what I saw on a preview image from earlier today. Although that's just the cover. I, and I almost, that art on the cover almost looks like 
Ian Churchill. It reminds me a lot of the Green Lantern art. I don't know if that's the same art as inside. It looks a little a little different. I'm looking at the preview pages and the, the preview pages, the art does not look like the same as the cover. So but I could be wrong. Oh uh, yeah, I found the that's what it is. DC Digital First Aquaman Deep Dives. Yes. So so I guess the question is, did did they have these planned like for this, or is this just happenstance that they are releasing new well, digital material during this this Yeah. Run? I don't know because I mean a lot like DC and Marvel. I, I think a, these these types of comics tend to get overlooked, but they do release a surprising amount of digital only material mm-hmm. that either are, there's really cheap or free on Comicsology. Uh, that yeah, I mean we don't we don't see obviously in the in the shops, but it would not surprise me if these were already ready to go, but, and, you know, and it just happened to be good timing that they needed new material on the flip side. It wouldn't surprise me if they're like, Hey guys, we need some, we need some books out there. But again, like, could they round up all this going back to the, the, the pedigree of talent involved? Would they have been able to round up all this talent and, 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 you know, the, the production, like get this production going in, you know, this, like that short amount of time. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on the, the page lengths. Like, I mean, they're, mm-hmm. like you said, they're like eight page stories. So I, I don't know how, how long it takes an artist to knock out eight pages. Yeah. Or I like think, the, yes. If it's eight pages, then I would think, yeah, you could. Right. But like, um, for example, like, fast. like the Aquaman one is 16 pages. Um, like the, all the page lengths are, they, they all vary. Uh, the flash one is 17 pages. That's, you know, you don't see that mm-hmm. usually, uh, Wonder Woman 25 pages. Okay. Et cetera, et cetera. So there, you know, I, yeah, I, I don't know what the rhyme or reason is behind these, uh, D, these DC digital firsts, but they could be hey. repurposed. They may have been intended for other items and repurposed for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, they, they could have been meant for more, um, more target page. books or more, yeah. yeah, or more like, I, I think they were, weren't they entering into an agreement with Target at one point? I think so. I think there are so yeah. Target books. Maybe they were meant for another retail purpose. So who knows? But, Either way, um, like I said, they were they were fun enough to read. So, well, that's what counts. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it 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 uh it distracted me for a few minutes. So. <laughs> okay. So who's who's up? I, I would I would jump in. Um, I took a trip in the wayback machine. Um, our friends over on the cartoonist kayfabe program. Uh. We're doing one of their mailbag episodes, and someone sent them an old Air Cell comic. That's that old Canadian publisher from back yeah. in the day. Uh, and this book was called Shadow Walker, and the art was by a young Tom Grummet. Now, I think my affinity for Tom Grummet has been made clear on this show. Yeah, that's your man. So I found a 
uh, retailer on Amazon and found a copy. And it came this week. And this book is from 1988. We're going back just to spell. This is like pre, I don't know how early this is in Grummet's career. It's pretty early. I did see something that predates it. Um, the artwork, it, it's interesting. The, the artwork's really cool because it looks like it's done with like markers. I mean, it's got like, you know, pencil ink and then marker finishes. I don't think it's a wash. I think it's markers. So it has this really uh, cool finished look to it. But you can still like the figure work is still strong and, you know, like buildings and shit like that are all tight. Uh, facial expressions are still a little loose. And some of the pan some of the expressions are a little wonky, like mouths are a little like too low and stuff like that, which is all fun to look at and to see the, you know, the evolution mm -hmm. of the cartooning. Um, Story wise, it kind of reminds me of another friend of the program, Barry Link's uh phineas because it's just like some dude bashing up on like demon these are like space alien demons like there's some text piece on the inside cover that is just like whatever um <laughs> so he's like so this guy i guess this guy's supposed to be in his early 20s meanwhile he looks like he's like 46 but uh and he's got some you know magic power that was in passed through his genes or whatever to like see these alien demons. It, it doesn't matter. It, it, it honestly, it doesn't matter. So <laughs> him and his like uh, old man uh, mentor roll up on this party at an, like this abandoned looking house. And there's some like trance teenagers dancing around a pentagram as this like alien demon conjures more like alien demons. And uh, they bust in and break it up and, dispense of the alien and they are alien demons they're like aliens but they're de they're like demons from another dimension but they're also like space aliens something like that it doesn't matter it doesn't matter and then <laughs> and it, it's it's i don't know if they did anymore because then they introduce like this reporter character and she gets targeted by these alien demons and then the old guy like swings in and saves the day and sends her on the path to meet with the, the main character whose name is Shadow Walker, like Shad is the first name. Let's see uh, the text piece. Shadrick, Shadrack Olcott Walker. Ergo Shad O Walker. Oh wow. Shadow Walker. Oh boy. No. See? That's that's license <laughs> of print money right there. No. Kate's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a and, that, uh, that's a long walk for that name. Yeah. <laughs> and uh uh, and so it, it, the old dude turns into a werewolf, busts up the the alien demons. Like it's fun to look at. Um, it really wasn't some great, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> some great piece of literature. Coolest part is like there's like dead uh, alien demons and cops rolling up. So it's like these other alien demons use these like ray guns that like suck the corpses into like another dimension. Like back to our world with the corpses. And if you guys can see, I'll hold it up for the camera for the four of us see, mm -hmm. and it's like oh. the trash can and shit like yeah. suck up through the portal like this oh cool so like the atmosphere of their home planet just has like all this like corpses and and junk <laughs> i just thought around if i was silly or maybe it gets sucked into the gravitational pull and then in some like 
random town on their alien world, like a two dead bodies <laughs> in a trash can are just going to come crashing down. But I thought that was that was neat. I get the artwork. I bought it for the artwork. I didn't buy it for the story. Uh, mm-hmm. It was neat to see the early Grummet work and like he never did any like the the big two stuff never had this type of like wash finish. I, I don't think it's a wash. I do think it's marker, but I can't really tell. If I had to, if you put a gun to my head, I'm thinking it's marker. See if I hold up a page, you guys can like. Yeah, it looks. It's not the best way to transmit this, but like that shit looks like it's yeah. a marker. Yeah. The gray markers and stuff, which I think is cool. Mm-hmm. But no, it, it looks good. Like the like the, whatever. I mean, I think it's marker too. And but it yeah, it's it's really. And even the nice cover quality. has. Yeah, even yeah, the, cover, the cover looked. Like you have to open a window when you use these things, or you're gonna like murder some brain cells. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was worth it. And and Nilo, I didn't know it existed. I I you know we we're talking about stuff that we miss. I also miss uh, diving through back issue boxes, and this is something that you usually would find at one of the new dimensions if you uh, dig long enough. Yep. And uh, so with that gone, um, I've had to resort to using the internet to uh, scratch that itch for some things, which uh, I'll veer off. Um, I haven't been reading a lot. I find myself using my time uh, getting working ahead on the 7x7 comics that I've been doing with like Duke and Sean and some other folks that we've mentioned on previous episodes. Mm-hmm. And then um, during the, my days, because I'm still working full time, so I work here in the office, and on my phone, I've been watching reruns of an old program called Dark Shadows. I don't know if oh, yeah. any of you are familiar yeah, with that. Yeah, British show. Yeah. It, it was American. It, it was here. Oh, it was American? I thought it was yeah. British. Yeah, Darren, yes, Darren McCat. Oh, no, no. I'm, I think I'm, I'm getting that confused with Kolchak the Night Stalker. Same, same roundabout genre. Dark Shadows was like an afternoon soap opera on ABC in the late 60s, early 70s. Yeah, and they made that crappy movie, right? Yes. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh god, I forgot all about that. That was Johnny Depp, right? Yeah, there was yeah, that crappy movie. Yes. Yeah, wow. I mean, there's a couple movies that are of questionable quality, but so, some some more enjoyable than others. That the 2012 Johnny Depp Tim Burton one is not a uh, don't 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 go by that. <laughs> go by the OG stuff. That's cuz that there it's just cuz the production value's low, but you know, they're leaning into it. And so that uh, that's right up my alley as well. Like there was one episode where you like this crash zoom out and you see the boom mic clearly in the shot. <laughs> and then zoom back in. Cause it's all like one take live to tape type setup, but it involves like vampires and werewolves and all time travel and alternate dimensions all in a 30 minute soap opera. That's 50 years old. So like they, they were, they were driving hard. I'm almost interested in it. Well, I found an app. It was on Amazon Prime, and like one afternoon, like in between episodes, it went from being free to behind a paywall. And uh, then I found uh. another app, uh, Tubi, T-U-B-I. Oh yeah, I've used Tubi. They have it on there, and there's only like one commercial break per episode. It's really cool. And there's now there are like twelve hundred some episodes of the program. <laughs> it was five days a week, and it aired for like yeah. five years. Um, I skipped ahead till it, it gets the first like 200 or so episodes you can skip. 
because that's where they introduced the vampire character after about the first year. And that's where the rubber meets the road. Um, so, and my wife makes fun of me, but here's the deal. Like my folks watched it when they were kids. Well, my mom did and my aunt did. Like they were of that generation where like the thing was to rush home after school and you'd watch Dark Shadows at 4.30. My dad's memories are his sister's making him go down to the store and buy them potato chips so that they wouldn't miss the show. <laughs> so it went into syndication. Like in the eighties, I remember watching like reruns on like our local PBS station. And then about 15 years ago, I was like, I had downloaded a bunch of episodes like on a torrent. Well, I made it so far. And so here we are again, um, where I'm just like going down this, memory lane of, of sorts uh and binging it so and i so like one day I, I went to like 12 i started it like when i started my shift and it was like i think i watched like 12 episodes it was ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> um it's just got cheesy acting you know because it's just like that like stage acting soap yeah. slash soap opera acting and the, the blocking is everyone looks at the camera, so they like stand behind one another when they're having conversations and shit. <laughs> which I just I love it. I just love all that shit just for what it is. Um, and then and then the whole premise behind it is like this is just fucking ridiculous to that you have this format and this is the subject matter that you're you're covering, and you know it's like early like optical effects. And stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, like, is it, <laughs> he, the, he, the dude's a vampire, and like, he turns into a bat, and the bat is just this very obvious, like, rubber bat, like, on a fishing <laughs> line. Just, <laughs> you just know there's someone off stage, is like, that's great. Speaking it in. And then he, like, turns into the human, and so he's like, it's just like an overlay of, like, he's, you know, early green screen shit. I don't know. I digress. Uh, it's all just, it checks all the boxes for me, and it's just, I really do enjoy it. And they used to make comics of it too. Like gold key did comics of it back in the day. And that's where I wish I could go to one of the million shops around here. I, I don't think there are a lot of them because when I look online, they are not cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, even new dimension, Dan post like Todd in one of his recent videos posted that they had one come in. Yeah. And it was like the first issue and they're sounded for like 150. Which is a little on the high. You can, I, I'm, I'm guessing the quality of it's good because you can find them sort of, they run the gamut, but it's like, mm-hmm. how bad do you want it to be? Right. I mean, even a beater, co- I've seen beater copies go for like 30 bucks. Um, wow. I did win a lot of 10 on eBay that I have coming this week. Oh, cool. I got that for like 40 bucks. They looked like they were all right. It, it runs the whole gamut. I got. The one I really wanted was the second issue because it's like got a photo cover and the dude's doing this like weird pose and it's got like this like super magenta like background on it that just looked kitschy as hell and I just <laughs> wanted to have it. But like when you look for like single issues, it's all like 15, 20 and up. And I was like, mm-hmm. this is where I wish I could just go like dive and just, I don't even know if they're in there, but we just go to all the different stores we have we are not allowed to go to in this dive. But, right. So I, when they come uh, this week, I will be sure to give a report. I did a lot of work on like just what do these things look like because I didn't want to just like spend money on dogs. Mm-hmm. Then uh, the artist was uh, I think I want to say Joe Serta, who did a bunch of like work back in the day. 
So hmm. it's got like a, it, it's not like a lot of my problems with comics based off properties is that they strive too much for likeness and everything looks like yeah. stiff. Yeah. Uh, this does not look to suffer from that. So like the approximations are there, but it's not like they're slaves to the likenesses. And so I, I'm looking forward to it. And I didn't even reprints were like tough to find. I guess like a decade ago, like some third party publisher did like a bunch of reprints, but they're ridiculously priced out because I know it's not be a bunch of them, but I didn't want like polished modern reprints, you know, with like mm -hmm. white paper and bright colors. I yeah. want, I want like that stinky old <laughs> gold key comic with like rusty staples and yellow paper and yeah, shit's faded. Yeah, no. I want that 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 musty comic smell. Yeah, but I don't also don't want to open it up and and it falls apart either. So <laughs> that's where that's kind of like that. Right, the you, you don't want I, I gotta ride there. You don't want to read these books and then a month later find out you have black lung. Yeah. 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 Hey, real quick, I'm just curious about about the show, the original series. Was it, um, were those half hour or hour episodes? Half hour. So when you watch okay. them on the streaming services, they're they're like twenty minutes because the commercial breaks have been taken out. Right. So you could probably pack a bunch in. Yes, you can. Considering that Passions was one of my favorite soap operas growing up, uh, that really sounds up my alley. I love the Munsters and I loved Passions, and I feel like that sounds like the Munsters combined with Passions. Yes. All together. Yes. <laughs> Which I'm curious to do. If, here's that cover. I was. Let's see if it comes in the. There we go. Oh, oh that's okay. Amazing. That's great. Like I might even frame this thing after I read it. Cause yeah. This, no, that's it's a, so yeah. cool. That is definitely suitable for framing. I just love it. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm kind of curious if it, I don't have the time or or really the the that much of a drive to do it. But this sort of like do like a lineage, like what did this inspire? Because my wife is watching True Blood. She's never watched it before. Oh, okay. And so with programming being kind of, you know, it, what it is, That's she wanted to go back to it. Yeah. Uh, Comcast right now is like all the HBO stuff has mm -hmm. like been opened up. So we've just been watching it there. Mm -hmm. um, and so it kind of... I feel like this is True Blood's kind of like a a fifth cousin twice removed, like descendant of a show like that. Because mm -hmm. there was like because it's you know we we all know what True Blood was, and so it like if I feel like that show may have like opened the door, whatever. And probably not, but maybe I'm just romanticizing it. But I, I do sort of feel like it, it's kind of like a, a descendant of it in some way or shape or form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always surprising to see what what inspired what. Um, I know with like shows like Twin Peaks, which might even also be somewhat inspired by you know the soap operaness of Dark Shadows. It's I um, mean anything's possible. I mean because it's that show basically said like you could do this. I mean so whether like it's a direct inspiration or if someone is like oh man so here's proof that what we want to do is viable. Mm -hmm, it happened mm -hmm. once before. Why can't it happen again? Basically. But, but yeah, I mean, I see Twin Peaks stuff pop up in like cartoons and like all the, all the weirdest shit. I'm like, all and right. There was a Twin Peaks reference in Clueless. Was there? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. So like, <laughs> yeah, <it's> wow. Weird. 
so um, I can talk about my comic for for yep. good. Sure. Okay. So speaking of um, old TV shows and stuff, sort of. Uh, so I'm going to talk about uh, Bad Weekend, which is a Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips book from Image. Um, that's part of the criminal universe. I'm not. I'm not sure how exactly it was originally packaged. If it was um, some of the single issues that just came out. In fact, let's see. Okay, it was criminal number two and number three were apparently this this story that they collected in a in a hardcover, and it's um, told through the perspective of a character named Jacob, who's a um, I think he's a character from the criminal series. It's been a while. It's take it takes place during 1997. Um, he's he's a a cartoonist slash um, counterfeiter. He uses his, his artistic talents to do counterfeiting, but he has a passion for comic books. Um, but the, the interesting thing about this, this story is that I can't tell if how much of it's based on truth and how much is Brubaker making shit up. Um, it's it's a lot like uh, the fade out, which I don't know if anybody read, but that oh, yeah. woven a lot of fiction with like real world Hollywood stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, he he was a um, an apprentice um, for a guy named Hal Crane, who I don't know if that's a real person or not. Um, I think he's made up for this story, but he's woven in with all these other people. Uh, he made a comic. He's, he was like a freelance artist, Jack Kirby kind of guy who um, made a property. Um, then like uh, it got turned into like a cartoon show in the fifties. And then in the seventies, it got syndicated and became popular. And now it's like this huge marketing million, you know, million dollar enterprise. And he gets no money for it because, you know, it's the fifties and he just made a fucking whatever, much like real life with a lot of, um, creators that got you know screwed yeah. over by um the, the big corporations um so it's all told through that perspective he's at a comic festival um they're name dropping all kinds of people like uh they, they talk about wally wood they talk about uh there's you know they mentioned stan lee they talk about uh it's like one person he pulls a gun on who i'm pretty sure is an actual human being in the real world. Let me see if I can find the name. But anyways, um, the premise of the story is uh, all of his, his old, his old stuff got sold off. Um, and they're kind of like on this wild and crazy hunt. Um, him and this Jacob guy who he asked to um, drive him around and be his handler at this comic convention that he's at, that he really doesn't want to be at because he, he's sick of the whole thing. He's very, Alan Moore about it. <laughs> um, he's just, you know, comics has screwed him over so many times. He's over everything. Um, but he's trying to find uh, some, of his, some of his old animation work. Uh, and I guess like his ex-wife or no, it was his daughter um, supposedly stole something from him and sold it off. And so they're on this crazy hunt to figure out where it's at. And when they eventually find out where it's at, um, it turns into like a heist kind of thing. It's just a weird, interesting book. It kind of just spins off into a lot of places, but it weaves in a lot of like real world comics history, or at least to my knowledge, it feels like it does. Mm -hmm. It has that like authentic air to it, which I know Brubaker is really good at like 
his his history and research and obviously he's you know writing what he knows as a comic creator so it was it was interesting for like a two issue like little side story noir thing to be like this is a noir story but it's also about a comic artist (laughs) just like a not not what you would expect and then throughout it um another character shows up that's related to the criminal universe named ricky lawless who i think his father or no this care so this so the main character of this book i think is fictional because he was the artist of the book that Brubaker came out with, which was an oversized magazine-sized pulp book. Like, I don't know if you remember that when that came out in stores. It was like a big magazine, like, criminal thing. And it was like this savage sword of Conan-looking yes. book. Yes, yeah, I do remember that now. That's apparently this character's, like, the, 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 the artist in this book's um, uh, creative work. And in that oversized book, there was also the character that shows up here, but he's, like, much older or whatever. Um He's related to the Lawless family, which is like a big, important family to the criminal universe. Um, and a very criminal criminal has a lot of big Sin City vibes in that way, I think, where it's mm-hmm. all like this interwoven, like, yeah, continuity where like shit's just like, like, oh, some fictional comic you read in this series is here's the actual creator of this fictional comic is now a character in my story. It's I don't know. It's weird. I really dig it though. I, I, I like that kind of world building. I think it's, it, it, it's satisfying. I think that the only downside is criminal comes out so randomly that it's hard to keep track of like all the moving pieces. I think, I think criminal is one of those books you want to just digest as all one big thing mm-hmm. as much as you can, at least. Um, but yeah, so that, that was bad weekend. Um, it's really good. It was, um, how much was this thing? It's like 16 bucks for a nice hardcover book with a, with a good, you know, like 40 something page story. Um, and then the other thing I read, um, was, uh, agents of Atlas by Greg pack. And, um, I don't have it in front of me. I'm blanking on who did the art for it. Uh, but it was the war of the realms tie in. It was, uh, I, I read it the first time, like the first issue that came out. And I kind of was like, ah, eh, this isn't for me, but then, the trade paperback was like on sale somewhere for like six bucks. And I was like, sure, why not? I'll, <laughs> I'll read the whole thing and give it a shot. <laughs> like, you know what? It, 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 when it's that cheap, it's, you know, I, I enjoyed it enough, but not enough to drop like, you know, 15, 20. Right. It, it was good. I, it, I'm not a big fan of the tie-in books sometimes because like for war of the realms, the plot was I, you know, it was it was whatever. It was the 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 fire giants or the I don't know if they're fire whatever the fire people that Cinder and Suter from Mephusalem or whatever the Asgardian whatever realm that is the mm-hmm. fire realm are coming to Earth because of the whole War of the Realms thing to take it over and they're gonna like you know melt the polar ice caps and you know burn everybody alive to make a new uh, fire realm for themselves on on Midgard. Um. And uh, yeah, the, the the agents of Atlas, who are this new team of ragtag random characters, uh, led by Jimmy Woo from the original original agents of Atlas, are there to stop them. And it's it's cool, but it's there's a lot of characters, man. There's like twelve characters on this team, in addition to like the cameos that they throw in. And it got to the point where I couldn't really tell who was a member of the agents of Atlas and who was just like showing up. 
because Greg Pak was kind of doing this thing where he was like, I'm going to take every Asian superhero that's ever existed. Okay. I, I knew this sounded familiar. Okay. Sorry, um, continue. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. And, and half of them are new, and half of them I'm pretty sure existed at one point, like, you know, in in, in the um, Silver Age or something, if not older, um, and then were forgotten about to the sands of time. Wasn't Shang-Chi on the team? Yeah, Shang-Chi shows up, and he there's, like, this one inter- exchange between him and this one character called Swordmaster, uh, who's literally just some dude that looks like a ninja with a sword. Um, <laughs> and he calls Shang-Chi his uncle. And I was like, are they actually blood related? Or is this just like a weird thing that, you know, it's like a, yeah, whatever. Um, this is like a joke about Shang-Chi's age, you know, whatever. But uh, so like that, I was like, okay, cool. There's a connection there. There's a reason for this, but then there's like other people like Sun Wukong, like the monkey King from like Chinese mythology is like a character. And I, I assume he's probably a real life superhero in the Marvel universe. Cause why not? But I've never seen him before, but I mean, that's really, I mean, that's really uh, the, the plot of the book is that and it's, you know, this, this coming of age story for, for, um, you know, uh, great Pax fan favorite Amadeus Cho mm-hmm. to become a leader of the, the new Atlas team and then showcase all these new characters that they made that were also like all tied into, um, the uh, I think they were just trying to k- tap into the Korean market with this book, because one of the characters is like a, a K-pop star, <laughs> and then another, some of the other ones are like characters that they made up to put in a game, a mobile game. Yeah, that is like big in Korea, like Marvel Future Fight. So it just kind of felt like they were just like, uh, let's let's just do this thing and like uh, I don't know, you want to Great Pack, you want to you know push this 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 like new, you know, more Asian characters, whatever here, go, go wild. And like, we'll, we'll weave it into like, you know, marketing and in Korea and other uh, Asian countries and try to like sell more comics there. Kind of like how, like when China threw in that, like all that stuff in Iron Man three, when they're like, I don't know, here's like the the, the Chinese cut of Iron Man three with like (laughs) Chinese soap opera actors that are famous and shit like that. It's like weird. (laughs) I, I remember this book because I think I talked about the first issue when it, I guess this would have been last year. Yeah. I think we we talked about it when it came out. "Eh." I was, I was a little excited for it because I I liked the original agents of Atlas with, that was written by Jeff Parker and drawn by Leonard Kirk. And Mm -hmm. I thought, well, sure. This isn't going to be the exact same thing, but if they're continuing on, with the the name, maybe it'll be an interesting new take on the team. And I just remember reading that first issue and I'm like, well, what did I just read? Yeah. Like, this I mean, was I, just garbage. Yeah. It's, and I, I feel as it did get better after the first issue, but it was still like, there's, it was a lot happening and the event itself is, it's not a good event. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, they're just beating up fire creatures. There, there's a few humorous things that happen here and there. Like there was a scene where like, Amadeus Cho sneaks in to, with the fire giants and the solution there, because I guess he has a healing factor or he's immune to pain or, or something. But they literally um, cover him in this like uh, flammable material and light him on fire. <laughs> Amadeus Cho goes undercover like as a flaming Hulk uh, giant, you know, thing to like 
spy on them. That's kind of funny. <laughs> it was like there were like clever little things here and there um, that I, I liked, but so much of it was just you know, oh let's beat up yeah. these fire guys, um, boom bang, you know whatever. Yeah. Uh, salute. You know th- there were cool uses of the powers and stuff, and they're combining like to to fix the polar ice caps. They made like you know they 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 did some science. They they made a vortex of water with the water character, and then the frost character froze it all and like lowered the temperature. And there's like cool. You know, like shit that you would like see on like the CW with like the Flash and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're using you know neat neat, real you know science solutions to solve problems. But yeah, I mean, a lot of it was just like uh, there was no spy game, spy factor to it, which is what Atlas was about, really. Well, it, it, it probably it, there was probably no need. I mean, clearly they they tied it into War of the Realms because that was the that was the hot thing going on. Yeah. But it probably did not need to to take place during like it didn't have to come out it didn't have to be a tie-in because there's no it was no it didn't it I, sounds I, like it was pointless to be a tie-in yeah i mean i when i first read um i almost want i think when i first read agents of atlas it was during dark rain and they did they relaunched it with a dark rain tie-in with the norman osborne and all that stuff and i mm-hmm. and that was my first exposure to them and then i went back and read the other jeff parker stuff that he did um, so I, I feel as if there was like, there's kind of like a history with agents of Atlas being this weird title that people are like, what the, what the hell is this book? Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll throw it into a tie in and then maybe people will pick it up. But I, I think it hurt it more than helped it, but I did buy the, this once again, cause it was also like six, six, eight bucks. I bought the second trade, which is not tied into anything. And I figured that if I, you know, give them a fair shot at like, cause I enjoyed it enough that it was worth checking out like what they're like outside of, you know, when they're telling their own original story and not like wrapped up in some Marvel big, whatever. Right. Um, just to see where it goes. But I, I have a feeling I won't stick with it, but it was so critically acclaimed, like at least on social media that I was just like, am I missing something? Is it just the, <laughs> the, the representation kudos points that he, that, that make this a big deal where it's just like, you're telling, you know, the, the Asian American like perspective really well, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's really cool. It's not, you know, it's, it's not doing anything for me, but if, you know, people are getting something out of it, you know, good for them, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think part of the, and also like Greg Pak is, you know, it's like, he's very polarizing and he's either really yes. good or really, you know, just not, not good. Like Planet yes. Hulk was Planet Hulk is amazing. Yeah. You know, but then he'll, he'll write then something Robo else. Hulk comes right afterwards. And then yeah. Like, eh. But then like he writes something like, um, uh, I think it came out with, was it boom? It was at mech mech cadet. U. Oh yeah. That was so good. Like I loved that book and like, there's nothing in that, in that book that should, that, normally would appeal to me but mm-hmm. i loved it and yeah like he does a good job like making that kind of stuff like appeal to just a broader audience where you're yeah. like oh yeah yeah it was it was just a delightful book to read and then yeah and then he comes out with this and you know and to be fair i guess to him like i'm sure that this agents of atlas tie-in was completely you know i mean it, it was very obviously just a a corporate 
like, oh, let's just, you know, let's just throw this at the wall and see what happens, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think it was very much like, oh, we have these character ideas. We're going to do this marketing thing. What can we brand it with? Well, who's who are Asi- Asian characters? Who we got? And, you know, or who, you know, they're not going to be like, oh, well, we're not going to name it Masters of Kung Fu because that's, yeah. you know. <laughs> eh. um, but a- Agents of Atlas was sort of this, this neutral title i guess they could they, they could yeah. grab you can put they had an asian main lead yeah that's a and that's a, a team name like you said it's very it it doesn't lean any way you could put any group of people under that team name and it could be they could do whatever they want with it like like how they they bring out champ like champions every few years and they'll yes. you know to put a new team name on it you know or, or a new group of people under it yeah, I mean, and, yeah, I mean, I'm. There, there were de- like, like with that um, fire thing I mentioned. It's, uh, yeah, the, you could see where the Greg Pack shone through every now and then. You're like, mm-hmm. okay, I, I see where the, the the quality of this is at. It wasn't so much the action scenes, but more the the interactions. He, he yeah. really good. Even though it was a giant cast, he still made it work at least to some degree. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, does anybody have any, uh, any, uh, anything else they wanted to talk about or review? No, sir. Um, I think we're good on our end. Okay, cool. Um, I just wanted to real quick, um, give a, a shout out and a word of thanks to, uh, Todd McDevitt of new dimension comics. I don't know how to put it. I guess he, like he basically sponsored me to be on a, be part of a zoom call through the hero initiative uh, to be on a call with the legendary Dave Gibbons, uh, co-creator of Watchmen, co-creator of um, give me Liberty with Frank Miller. Um, uh, what else? Green Lantern that he did for a long time. He did uh, his own book, the originals um, just, uh, he did uh, the, the, the secret service which was then eventually turned into the Kingsman movies. No. So, I mean, clearly this guy's, I mean, he's, he's just a legend in the, in the industry and the hero initiative was having a, uh, they were, they were uh, selling uh, seats, if you will. Uh, They were, you could buy one of five seats to sit down on a zoom call with Dave Gibbons and have just a Q and a with him for an hour. And uh, Todd, reached out to me and asked if I would like to be part of this. And I, I, I had to say yes, <laughs> because yeah. like I said to you guys, like, when is this going to happen again? Right. You know? And, um, you know, unfortunately because it was part of the, the hero initiative and it was, it was the, all the money was going toward, you know, towards the hero initiative, uh, fundraising, um, uh, you know, it's not part of the comic book pit. So, uh, you know, unfortunately I couldn't, um, like record or post the conversation, but I can tell you it was just, it was a delight to sit there and chat with him and, and just to listen to him. Even if I had nothing to say, just to chat or just to listen to him talk uh, was just, just a delight. And, and I did, uh, and Link and Jared did uh, um, help me out with a few questions, which I did. I, I got in one of Jared's, I got in Link's, and I got in one of my own. Each person, the way it, it, it uh, ended up with the timing of the call, uh, every person got three questions in. So, Oh, okay. Nice. 
So his favorite taco did not make the cut. Oh, I, I forgot about that one. I'm sorry. I did not. <laughs> um, I do have Dave's number. I will call him right now. Uh, I will ask him what his favorite taco is. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I do believe that the, the moderator, he did record the call. So I think it probably will show up on the Hero Initiative website at some point. Um, I don't know if it's going to show up as just an audio recording or a video, but I it does sound like at some point it will it will be made available to watch or to listen to. But <clears throat> excuse me, they have a lot of these on the Hero Initiative website where you can sign up to do one of these Q and As, and there are there are a lot of creators that are participating in this. I had no idea that this was even a thing until I started looking into it, but for varying amounts of money, you can, you can, uh, you can pay to have a seat at the table. If, you know, if there's, you know, one of your favorite creators is, uh, offering it, uh, again, this might be kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity. So check it out. Think about it. You know, maybe if you, if you've got a few extra bucks and you want to sit down and talk with one of these, you know, legendary creators who helped, uh, shape your childhood. <laughs> maybe it's, yeah. maybe it's worth it. You never know. But, um, but again, big thanks to Todd. Uh, I mean, that was just, it was such a, such a generous offer and, um, it was in a, a great, uh, charity, a great cause. Everything the hero initiative does is just wonderful. Um, so, uh, you know, again, big thanks to, to Todd for allowing me to be a part of that conversation. It was just, it was a lot of fun. It was, the, the whole time I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh my god, I'm I'm talking to Dave Gibbons. This is crazy. <laughs> like this, this should not be happening. And I did, I I was the first one in the room with the moderator and 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 Dave, so I was the first one to get a little like, literally just like a minute or two of like one on one time with him. And oh, I was like, the early it's like, bird gets the What's that? So the early bird gets the worm. That's right. Um, <laughs> And uh, he even he even said, "Oh, my son's name is Dan." I'm like, "Oh my god, this is awesome!" <laughs> oh, and since since I was the first one, the moderator didn't really have a a method set up for you know deciding in what order he was going to let people ask questions. So he said, "Well, Dan, since you were in the room first, why don't you lead us off?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> here we go." So I'm like, "Mr. Gibbons, let's talk tacos. What's your favorite?" <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, unfortunately I did not, I, I was going to, if I had a chance to, to round it out, I, I, I would have thrown the taco question in there, but it, they were kind of on a, on a timeline. So that would have been, you would have everybody else that, you know, that paid for a seat at the table being like, this is what he asked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jared, do you want to, do you want to give everyone, tell everyone where they can find, uh, Seven by seven. Tell them what's going on with that. Seven by seven comics.com. Seven. It's uh new seasons in full swing. Uh, new comics every day. Uh, today is Sunday. Today is Sean Atkins comic goes up. I'm my comic goes up on Fridays. Scott's goes up on Thursdays. Uh, and every other day of the week, there's someone new. Well, there, there, there's seven, seven members, uh, seven days of the week. Hence the seven by seven. Yeah, 7x7comics.com or 
just search seven by seven comics on your social. That's an, an X, not BY. Correct. So, yeah, yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Seven, seven <laughs> X comics. Yeah, seven X seven comics.com. Yeah, we'll seven sure. times seven comics. 49 <laughs> comics. 49. <laughs> seven times seven equals 49 comics.com. Yeah. Yeah, we're confusing everybody. So I'll, but I'll, I'll put a, I'll put a link. People are, people are on their, on their, you know, listening to doing their math, you know, pulling out their calculators. Um, okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll put a link to that in the, uh, in the show notes so you can always find, uh, you know, get your comics fix from, uh, you know, from, from the, from the boys at seven by seven comics.com. I think that's all I have. Um, so if there's nothing else, we can go ahead and close this out. Yes. Yeah. No, no All right. Well, thank you once again for listening to the Comic Book Pit podcast. My name is Dan, and we've got Jared. See ya. Kate. Bye. And Link. See you, everybody. All right. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>